If I'm not meant to die before this day, I will be protected. And there's been certain situations where I've been in car accidents or I've had different situations where I don't understand how I'm still here today. And I'm just like, I believe I was protected because there was a mission, my purpose, and I haven't fulfilled it yet. Welcome to the Limitless Level Podcast. My name is Brendan Kearney, and each week I'll bring you insights, tips, and strategies on developing your mindset, fitness performance, and your well-being. It is my mission to empower others to step into their potential and own their lives. I believe self-awareness is the key to self-mastery, and when you master yourself, you can master any area of your life. Well, happy Sunday, everybody. It is an awesome Sunday morning here so far. Hope it's going great wherever you are in the world right now. All right, so I am rather fired up for today's episode because I have another interview lined up, and it is with a young lady by the name of Holly Finucan. And Holly and I crossed paths several years ago, actually in a coffee shop, I recall. And uh, I instantly knew she was a person that I I felt I could resonate with. Um, She was heavily devoted into uh, personal growth. And so Holly is a mother of a single mother of a young, beautiful daughter. And Holly has gone through quite a transformational journey herself. She's had some quite the traumatic experiences that she's been challenged with to overcome. And through the process of dealing with them, um, really was inspired to um, help others heal themselves from the inside and really just learn how to reconnect with this, this inner child in them. Holly is a certified life coach um, in the area of trauma healing and also has a Reiki level two uh, certification uh, as a tool to also extend her services that way. Yeah, her message is basically that when you learn to heal yourself, you can help heal others. And so Holly's going to share a little bit more about her journey and what she does. All right, uh, Holly, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Yes, it was like we met at, I believe it was Starbucks um, when uh, I was really hanging out at coffee shops a lot, doing my reading and personal development. You know, it, it is interesting because I do recall um, vividly, it, it, yeah, it was four, four or five years ago when I was quite the Starbucks junkie myself. And, you know, I would just go in there more or less to, to, to do my work and hopes to, you know, meet new people. That was my intention. And, um, I remember you were reading a book and it was, I remember the book too. Wasn't it, uh, you're a badass. Oh, um, yes, it was. I, and I was asking questions about it and I'm like, Oh, this, this, this lady is so cool. And, and, um, but it so happens that, you know, we met again through, um, certain things. I know you're doing a, a health thing at the time, um, sharing about some products and stuff like that. And so I knew we were kind of in a similar thing. 
But um, yeah, let's uh, let's let's get uh, started here. Um, so just first off, uh, what are you most grateful for right now? Uh, today, the sunshine, just like peace, quiet for today. Sundays are my relaxing day. So just like enjoy the birds and nature. That's awesome. I was actually thinking the same thing. Like it's just the birds chirping, the sunshine is out already. So yeah, it's it's a good start for sure already. And so what is what are um what are you most inspired by in your life recently? Yeah, oh, that's a good question. Um I'm inspired by my clients and how much work they put into themselves and the growth that they're 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 having with um, my programs and it just inspires me to keep growing myself so that I can provide more information for them because uh, I love seeing how much growth people can go through and um, just the unconditional love that they provide for themselves is so inspiring and it keeps me so passionate about what I do. Wow. I could just imagine Holly, like it is one thing to grow yourself, but to experience, to, to witness that from your clients, I think is, is definitely very powerful and, and actually makes you a better person and helps you help others more and, and expand your awareness. Um, so what are, let's say a couple, a couple of uh, fun facts or odd things about you um, maybe a quirk or a superpower just off the top of your head. Um, if I need to change my mood, I throw on dance music and dance like nobody watching. <laughs> if I'm in a really like, if I need to, because everything's energy, right? And so if you're in like a, you need to get out of that funk or you're going to continue to spiral down. Um, I also have like a mini trampoline in the house. So definitely get on that sometimes just to, Anytime I need to boost my mood, I, I do silly things to make myself laugh at myself to get me out of those yucky moods. Another uh, interesting fact that people don't know is I help my dad on the side um, and he has a tree business. So I also do a lot of lugging and I run a chainsaw and I cut trees. And yeah, so I have like two different <laughs> avenues of work. And sometimes when I tell people that I uh, do that, it's, it's very shocking to them. I Interesting. I didn't know that about yourself. You really are a badass, but that is really good. To, you know, you get out and you're not afraid of physical work, which is very impressive, you know, and, and to know that, you know, you do, you do something like that as well. That's, yeah, yeah that's very awesome. So we'll kind of start by... Um, where where this all started for you? I know you were in a rather uh, tough place uh, in your life, and you know you experienced some uh, personality challenges and, and things like that. Uh, some certain labels. I know you. I did listen to your um, original podcast episode on your channel where you shared your story, and and um, I know you talked about some of the issues uh, around. Um, uh, personality uh, disorders and, and an 
alcohol abuse and, and things like that. I, I believe I'm not, not, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and just kind of being in, in, in treatment centers and, and what you went through and how you overcame that and kind of bring us up to speed to um, where you are. Okay. Yeah, of course. I'll go back right to the start. Just um, we, um, my parents got married at a uh, high school. They were high school sweethearts. They had me and my brother, they were three years apart. And at the age of 30, they had everything paid off. Um, so life was really good for us. And then nine years later, my mom got pregnant with my brother, my other brother, and then had my sister 13 months apart. My mom got um, really sick first with postpartum with um, some with uh, Jamie. And then when she got pregnant with my sister, she it got worse. So our life got flipped upside down, like dramatically. And um, she wasn't the same person. And back then, mental health was uh, no one addressed it. Like it was very like hush hush, we don't talk about it. And so I had to help take care of the house, like clean up and like watch the kids. Mom was always sleeping. She was in and out of doctors. And um, we had a lot of CAS involved and cops involved. It was like very traumatic time. And so that was at the age of 11, 12 for me. And then, so when high school hit, I really had all these emotions, but I had no idea what was going on in my body. And I was so angry. I was angry at life. I was angry, like how, if there was a God, how come he would ever put us through this? And so I used to pray at night after everything and cry in my closet because I was like, why would you put someone through this? And I used to pray to come help us. And I was like, finally, I gave up after like a year of praying because I was like, if, if there was, he would have helped. So fast forward to high school, I made some wrong choices, hung out with the wrong people and just like, School was my getaway place, but then it didn't become my getaway place. Um, school and home were chaotic. So event, I was on, um, the doctors had put me on um, antidepressants at that time. And I remember looking at the package and saying, like, I, I don't understand. Like, I don't, I didn't think there was anything wrong with me, but because they put me on medication, I was like, you're assuming that there's something wrong with me, but I don't think there's anything wrong with me. I just need out of this life. Like, like take me and move me to a different like give me different at the time because you don't know really what's wrong you're like just get me to a different country a different parents I don't know because I was just like I don't think there's anything wrong with me I just don't like the situation I'm in but their solution was to put me on medication and I remember reading the back of like reading all of it of um the side effects and I was like I'm on this medication because they think it's going to make me happy but like the number like the side effects are like may cause suicide may like you reading the side effects I'm like I don't know how this is even helping me and as time went on I finally something really bad happened at school and um rumors fly fast even the ones that aren't true or whatever and people get mixed up and I came home that day and I was just like, I'd had enough. I'd taken enough. And so I was like, I think life would be better off if I wasn't here. It'd be easier for my parents. It'd be easier just for everybody if I wasn't here. And so I decided to take my whole bottle of antidepressants and some other medications like Advil and Cyanotab just to make sure I wanted to make sure that like, if I was going, I was like 
didn't have like it wasn't going to be a long process it was just going to be gone and as I was laying after that happened I was laying in bed and I remember thinking like my best friend we'd been together since we were two and like what I would be doing to her and so I just I thought I better like because I never wrote a note or anything I just thought I'd call her and just like just tell her how good of a friend she was and just like that I love her and everything and she suspected something was wrong when I got off the phone and she ran over to my house and so she she experienced that and then that they rushed me to the hospital and I spent a couple days in the hospital when I got home um we had a caseworker come in and they suggested that my environment was not healthy for me to live in for what I was going through and my parents weren't um, like couldn't take care of me because they had their own issues that they were dealing with and so I was um taken somewhere to live somewhere else and I was excited because I was starting a new high school I was in a new town like I thought this was my chance to start over and um things were going well I started a new high school but then for somehow this high school found out what happened at my last high school. So they wrote all over my locker, like all these names um, about me. And so I then got the chicken pox and I was so grateful because I didn't have to go to school anymore. And I actually got exempted from exams and I was like so excited. But what happened was in that time, I was like, I was 15, six, I was 16 at the time. And so I was a little naive, whatever. And I had chicken pox covered. It's like they're itchy as heck. Um, and someone had offered just to rub lotion on my, like on my back. And I wasn't thinking anything. I was like, yes, I'm just so itchy. Please do that. Well, then it led to other things. And I was sexually touched inappropriately. And so um, I told people about it. And when I told people, I was labeled as a troubled teenager that was just dying for attention and so that really hurt um because I couldn't I it made me question every like it made me question who I was like did I make a mistake did I like did I make this person believe that I wanted this like and or what they did to me do they think that's okay like am I just overreacting like the thoughts that went through my head at that time were just like so I then started to deal with my pain and everything I ended up going moving back home but I ended up doing a lot of drugs and then when I got caught doing drugs I switched to alcohol and because alcohol was widely acceptable <laughs> and so I partied a lot through my from like 17 to my 20s until eventually I, I settled down and I just worked a lot. Um, I switched from drinking a lot to working a lot. I still had my moments where I would on occasion, but not like in my 20s. And so because I never dealt with the trauma that went, this is my belief, because I never dealt with the trauma, never, we never really went to counseling or therapy. We might have had three sessions, which I think is like, <laughs> there should have been counseling or therapy because that's a lot for a child teenager to have on their plate and they don't they're not even their brains not even fully functioning and so at the age of 27 I was living with my boyfriend we bought a house and we decided to have um, a child and when I got pregnant with my daughter 
I knew that when I was actually 12, I had a, a lady tell me, are you scared to have um, children because the likelihood that you will get what your mother has is like really high. And I remember thinking like, what kind of person tells a 12 year old that like that should not be that should not be okay um so that in the back of my mind was always there so I hired a midwife and I did a lot of research and I explained the fears I had around having a child like I really desperately wanted a child but I was so scared that I would get what my mom had and so I had I had a midwife explain the whole backstory and then my partner at the time, he knew everything. And so I felt like I was prepared to have a child. Well, um, fast forward when she was three months old, I was very, I, I guess I was at my six week appointment with my midwife. I said, something doesn't feel right. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to shower. Like something isn't right. Um, and she's like, you know what, Holly, everybody gets the baby blues. You'll be fine. And she discharged me. And so it started to get harder. And then I started not sleeping and not really remembering to eat. And the next thing I knew is it'd been like three days and I hadn't slept. And like, I was just like, reality wasn't reality for me anymore. Like I was having, I was thinking all these thoughts of like outrageous, not ending my life or anything like that, just like outrageous thinking. And so my family came over and they thought maybe I need just a break from, they would take my daughter just to give me a little break. And I said, I thought that was really good. Um, I was having so much anxiety because I didn't want to be left alone because I wasn't sure what was going to happen if I was left alone. Like I never had thoughts that I would end my life, but I just, I couldn't be left alone. I just needed someone to be there because then I felt safe. And so my sister ended up staying with me. But we ended up going to emergency because I was like, just like, get me some medication just to help me sleep. I just need someone. I just need something to let me sleep because my mind won't let me. And that's when as soon as I went into the merge, they actually put me in a room and didn't really tell me anything until 7 a.m. So my paranoia went through the roof. Because I was like, how can you not tell me? I was panicking. I was like, what are they going to do to me? Like all these thoughts, because I think at least they could have done is like, they told me that I had to wait to see a doctor, but like, I felt claustrophobic and I, it's just like the worst experience ever. Cause like you're someone that's paranoia and someone that hasn't slept all these, like I hadn't, it was just crazy to me that they would put me in a room and keep me there. And I had this, this security guard guarding me. So anyways, at 7 a.m., they, um, the, they escorted me to an ambulance to take me from the hospital to the psych ward in Brockville. And I went to the psych ward and I was evaluated and they admitted me with uh, mental health. Usually you have to sign yourself in unless you get a special form. The special form states that you are a threat to yourself or society. So they had put me on a form stating that I was not well enough to be out in public. So I, in the back of my mind, thought that maybe if I caused so much chaos that they wouldn't want me there, that they would let me leave. They would just like say, you were too much, get out. So I caused a lot of chaos in there um, to the point to where two nurses had to hold me down while another nurse injected me with 
I'm not sure with whatever drug they had me on. And then when I woke up from there, I was on a mattress on the floor and I, there was a guard watching me from an in, cla- in glass case and they had me in isolation. And so that's when I woke up and I was like, I was so groggy. And I just like, I remember thinking like, what did I do in life to get here? Like why, like, I didn't understand what had happened. Like, where did I go wrong to end up here? Because when I woke up, I thought that maybe I would never get out. Like this was my new life. Like I was going to be in a psych ward for the rest of my life. And that uh, there was just something wrong with my brain and with me and so I remember my dad coming to visit and he's like what happened like what happened I was like dad just I said I will take all the drugs you want just please take me home he's like Holly you know how this works because my mom had been in there four times he goes you know how this works you know you have to listen and you have to follow the rules you want out of here you have to follow the rules you have to get out and so I became their little robot because I was like, you're right, dad. So I took the medications when they told me I did what they told me, even if I didn't agree, I just did what they said in order to get out of there. So on the day of my assessment to get out, I had my, I had my original um, psychiatrist and she's like, Holly, um, and they had background on my mom's face. Right. And they're like, just with everything happened with your mom and like, because my mom was in and out um, when we were kids. And so they're like, we want you to get better, you know? And I'm like, I have a daughter at home. I need to take care of her. They're like, you cannot take care of her until you take care of yourself first. And I was like, well, I'm not getting, like, this place is not for me. I need home. And they're like, well, she said, the doctor said, I guarantee you 98% that if you sign yourself out today, we will see you back here, but you're going to be worse. And I looked at her in the face and I said, I guarantee you, you will never see me ever again. And so I left that day. I was able to sign myself out and I left that day. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of work because they had me on so much medication and I did drugs in school and nothing was as potent as this stuff. Like I, I could, I was so drugged out that I could barely function. Like I wasn't allowed to drive. Um, my family, when I stayed with them, I stayed with them for a little bit. And I remember like, I was so like, I could barely move and I could hear everything that was going on, but I could barely move and concentrate. And it would take me so long to even get words out. And then when I was coming off the medication, everybody could tell when I needed to go take another dose because I would start going, (gasps) because the. I would get so anxious and paranoid because the medication was wearing off and they'd be like, Holly, go take your medication. And I remember thinking in my head, this is not how I'm living. This is not how I pictured life. This is not how I'm living. And so I'm so lucky because I had my dad who was always making sure I was going to my appointments and going to, um, going to all these things. And so I ended up being on medication for a year and a half and uh, I went for counseling for two years and then they signed me out um it was like it helped it did help but I told them my goal is I've never been one for medication I've had like I've always my mom used to always like give us medication go to the doctors and I always felt like I don't understand like I feel like 
I just knew that it wasn't right for me and everybody's different, but I, and with, before I had my daughter, I was in that health and wellness business and I really started to dive in on food and how that affects your body. And so I was starting more and more feeling like there was other ways than medication on how to heal the body. So when I left, um, when I left that program, that was, I was fine. I got a job like, because when I went through this also, I forgot to mention, but when I went through this, I also, we got separated, me and my partner, we end up going through a separation and then we lost everything. So we went through a bankruptcy and I lost my house. And then also the job I was supposed to go back to uh, laid me off because they were going through something really bad. So they laid off 12 of us and I was one of the ones that got laid off. So like, literally, I remember saying my dad, I'm like, I was 27 years old and saying, dad, like life is over for me. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, who in their right mind is ever going to want to hire me? I'm not going to be able to work ever again. Like no one's ever going to want to marry me. Like, and he's like, Holly, I'm, I know you're very motivated and I, you will get through this. I know it seems hard right now, but you will get there. So I went on with life and I got a job and I was doing really well. And then a certain situation came up and it affected my career. And I, I don't even know how it happened. Um, and it wasn't my fault. Like I had to get letters from my co like from my boss proving that it wasn't me. Um, someone had identified me, identified me at a certain event that had happened, but it wasn't me because I was actually currently at work. And so it affected me and I started going through anxiety and not sleeping. And so my first panic was, oh, I better go get medication to help me because I was in that fear mode of going back to the institution that I did not want to do. So I luckily had a substitute doctor in that day and he, he had me sit down because I'm like, I need medication. He actually went through my files and he seen what had happened prior years. And he just, he's like, sit down. He's like, I want to talk to you. And he sat there and talked to me for 30 minutes. And he said, Holly, I see what has happened in the past. And he's like, events like this can like, I know it's not your fault, but events, life is like sometimes chaotic. And right now you're having an event happen to you that never, like, it's not your fault, but you have to learn to cope with it. Because if I put you on medication right now, the likelihood that you'll stay on medication for the rest of your life is very high. He's like, you just need to learn how to cope with your feelings and your anxiety so that you don't need to be on medication. He's like, I'm prescribing you to go see a counselor, not to get on medication. Then if that doesn't work, then you can come back. And I'm so grateful for that doctor because who knows, I might've stayed on medication because I didn't know. So I went to counseling that helped a little bit, but what I got introduced in 2015 was Reiki. And so I was very intrigued. Reiki kind of found me. I didn't find Reiki. A person introduced it to me and then I fell in love. And so what Reiki is, is it heals you on a cellular level. And so that has been the biggest, biggest help. I've done lots of therapy and I've done lots of counseling, whatever. But when I say on Reiki, so I think it's the one that helped me the most is because when we experience trauma, which every single person experiences trauma, 
it doesn't only get locked into the mind, it gets locked into the body and your soul as well. And so I think in just in my experience, when going to therapy, they never address the body and spirit, they only address the mind. So I think in mental health, they're missing a huge body and spiritual connection there. Because that's what has helped me heal. And I design, I designed my two programs based on what I wish I would have had going through these experiences. That's very incredible, Holly. What you just shared about your um, psychological battles, what um, your therapist told you is you just need to learn how to manage your emotions. You don't need to be on medication. If you can do that, you don't need the medication. That must have been very empowering and freeing. And then it sounds like that's what got you into, you know, learning that you can actually do that yourself and heal yourself. But you also learned and discovered Reiki and how powerful that is to actually getting those um, traumas that are stuck at a cellular level, help those two elements together. It sounds like you have a very powerful program. And so um, if you would just um, share a little bit about your program, um, Life Upgrade Academy, and, you know, who it's for, how it works. So just share a little bit about that. Okay, of course. So um, I'll talk about the inner child. So we all, all, every single one of us has an inner child within us. And when you're experiencing anxiety, it's usually the inner child within you screaming at you because they're not getting the attention, the love that they need. Or you could be in a certain situation that is a reminder from the inner child. So just like when I said, like, our, so our subconscious mind um, is 95% of our actions. It's our like your autopilot, whereas 5% is your conscious mind. So if you've experienced trauma, which everyone has, you might not consciously remember it because your brain is trying to protect you, but your subconscious and your body remembers it. And so that's why a lot of people experience anxiety and they have no idea why is because their body and their subconscious mind remembers it, but their conscious mind is like, why am I feeling like this? I don't understand. And so healing the inner child will help with that anxiety because a lot of, a lot of us kids, like, I feel like our generation when growing up, we were told to suppress our, like, this is just the way I was raised. We had a lot of chaotic going on in our family. So like, I felt like my feelings were never valid. We could never talk about what was going on in my life. So I was never, my parents were there, but not emotionally there for me. And so that's traumatizing on itself. And so I used to try and have all these emotions when I was a kid, but I was trying to navigate and I couldn't. And so those were all still locked up inside me when I was doing my Reiki healing is this inner child screaming that they wanted love, but I I didn't know how to love me at all. And so it never got the healing that it needed. So a lot of A lot of people need inner child, like I believe all of us need inner child healing because that little child, no matter if your parents, our parents do the best they can, but they screw up sometimes. I screw up. My daughter, I take her to go get Reiki by someone else. 
I do Reiki on her, but I also take her to someone else to have so that she also has someone that she can talk to. Because I know that I'm doing the best I can, but I know that sometimes I am traumatized, like traumatizing her because I, I'm human, right? We all make mistakes. I don't call it mistakes, learning opportunities. Um, so there's that inner child. So we need to heal the inner child. And that is some powerful work because there's a lot of people that come to me and say, well, I feel like my parents were really good. Like, um, and that I didn't really have a traumatizing childhood but there's I had uh, one of my clients and she's like Holly like I know your story um but I had a good life I had everything that I ever wanted you know my parents were good they were happily married like I don't understand and when we started digging and digging and digging deeper we found out that um her parents were doing the best they were but her one of her parents was very controlling over her and she didn't realize how much it affected her because then she noticed she was doing it to her daughter. That's the other thing. Just like your eye color or hair color gets passed on from your parents, so does their trauma. So if your parents have never healed their trauma, their trauma gets stored onto you. So when we start to heal our trauma, we're not only healing our trauma, we're healing generational trauma. Um, but it's so important to heal the inner child because they're the ones inside that didn't get the love that they needed. And especially if you didn't have emotionally available parents, which a lot of us don't because generations and generations, they just like, and I talk a lot about this because I have guys that have come up to me and asked questions. And I feel like guys in general have really hard times because in my bringing up guys were told not to cry you need to be strong you we don't talk about emotions like we don't have feelings you know <laughs> that's the way I the environment I grew up in and so I've seen the effects that it has on men where they're like well we can't talk about that or it's not or they make a joke out of it it's not that big of a deal or and I feel like men have a really hard time because women are more open I find in my experience. And uh, so I feel like they, they have a harder time. And um, yeah, so we have the inner child. There's also shadow work. Shadow work is very, very hard because shadow work is looking at all the stuff that's inside of you that you don't like. And you're bringing it to light to like, um, so it's like lo loving yourself unconditionally. So for me, it was a dark, like it was very hard because there was a lot of things that I was guilty. I had a lot of shame and guilt over my teenage years and 20 years that I had to shed to, to bring to light, to heal in order to fully accept myself and love me in order to become the person I am. Because I was definitely a big, I had no boundaries. I had no idea what boundaries were until I was 27. Like what? You're allowed to tell someone no? You're allowed to tell an, someone above you, an elderly, that you don't like, no, thank you. Like, you're like, I was told to obey, to listen, um, do not talk back. Like, I, I was definitely the big, like, a huge people pleaser. And I find there's a lot of people that are people pleasers because we've been told to obey, you listen and respect your elders. And I think we should be taught to listen and respect people if they do it to to us but like 
if we don't agree with something, we should be able to say like, no, I like, okay, it's okay that you have this opinion, but I have a different opinion. You shouldn't have to just agree because they're older than you, <laughs> which was just the way I was brought up. And so it's bringing all the dark things that I used to try and hide my past and run away from my past. And the more that I was hiding and the more shame and guilt I stored in my body, which is a very low vi vibration because everything in this world is energy. We're built up of energy. And so if you have shame and guilt, it's the lowest vibration. Whereas love and love and joy and enlightenment is the highest vibration. And so we attract everything into our life. So do if we're at a low vibration, we're only attracting low vibrations to us. So you want to be at the high vibration so you can attract the things that you want into your, into your life. And so I also provide Reiki, which we've talked a little bit about. So Reiki is healing you on a cellular level, because like I said, um, trauma gets stored in the body. Also, when you go through a traumatic experience, you have negative energy connected to other souls. And so it's cutting cords and it's cutting those negative experiences so that you're not attached to that, those other souls anymore. And it's really doing anger work to release anger from the body. And then also forgiveness work um, because forgiveness work. A lot of people are like, I can never forgive that person, but forgiveness doesn't have to do with the other person. Forgiveness has to do with letting it go for you and, and then being okay with it. Doesn't mean you have to be friends with them or anything, but it's, forgiving for your sake because it's like buddha says it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person's gonna die it has no effect on the other person you're only you're being angry is only affecting you not no one else that's a powerful lesson in itself right there thanks for sharing that holly this is this is really starting to make sense and you know, as a guy, like I can, I can totally, you know, relate to this and it, it makes sense to me. Um, and so this program you do, it's not just for women, is it? Like guys can, can, um, can do it too, right? They, um, I specialize in women. Um, guys are more than welcome to, I have not ever, um, coached a guy so but they are more than welcome to try it that would be interesting uh yeah i was actually just curious um i assumed you worked more with women and for sure you definitely would have a lot of re you know um relation and connection with other women who could definitely uh, relate to your story and, and and it's very powerful and like you mentioned men men do deal with it too which is which is good to know because um like you mentioned is um that really caught my attention was you said that when you heal yourself you're also healing other generations so you use the example of um traumas from your parents stored into you so this makes sense like you can their parents trauma was stored into them and it's passed on you know what i mean so it's passed on generation generation um, I'm having trouble with saying that, um, but um, could you actually heal your parents' traumas by just working on, on yourself? 
and and okay, so, so on, or is it just the generations to come? So, so when you start to heal, you're not only healing yourself; you will eventually heal the people around you, because we're we all vibrate. And so, if but the the other thing is is that we also all all have free will, so we have the right to like say no, we don't want that. But they will not. You will not be. So I have noticed a huge in my group of circle, either people leave or the people that I start hanging out with start working on themselves. So I've noticed that like before years and people would all like make fun, not make fun, but like, they're like, Oh, you do you or like all that because like spiritual in my life, I had nobody that was spiritual nobody right and so reiki when i started doing reiki i really didn't share it because it's like kind of it's hard for the the human mind to comprehend and so but i've noticed over the last like couple years that the people close to me are starting to like do their own healing because by you healing you're helping others heal and i've noticed that like so I quit drinking. Um, it's been a year now. So I quit drinking and I've noticed that there has, there has been someone close in my life that also did it. So I'm not sure if it was like because of me or if, or what, but it's just interesting to see like how I've had someone else give up drinking. Maybe they had their own experience. And then I've noticed there's somebody else that is now, um, because it's too personal to coach me to coach them, but they're getting their own coach. And then it's just funny that like, or like one of my friends, she's now getting her, like one of my best friends is now getting one her own healing coach. And she's re starting to read and ask me like, what should I be reading now? And it's just like, cause when you start to heal, then people, are like, oh, what are you doing? And they want to get jump on board. Some people aren't going to be ready for it. But when you can't heal somebody else's trauma, if they're not willing, like if they don't want to do it, they have to do it themselves, if that makes sense, right? That, that totally makes sense. I've learned that in through my journey, um, especially uh, being involved in, uh, in network marketing with health and wellness. You deal with that. You, like you can't, you can't drag someone to water and force them to drink. And it's, and it's, 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 it's sad because it's like, you want the best for them, but it's like, they don't want it bad enough for, 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 for whatever reason. Right. And I'm human and I experience this sometimes and it's, and it's weird. I, you know, I might think, okay, I got this help. I can get it, but like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm putting in enough work. And it's sometimes I feel like, what's wrong with me? Um, what is the difference? Like, what is it about people? Because, okay, it's one thing to realize, oh, yes, we have these traumas and this makes up kind of like our, our personality. It shows up in our behavior. And some people question it like you did and you're, you're, you're going, come to all these questions. And, but like other people they just kind of go on with life and, and just live it and just kind of like, ah, oh, it's just the way it is. It's just the way I am. You know what? I think maybe, you know, God just may be that way. And, and, you know, I'm just going to keep the way I am and um, hope for the best and the best will come out of it 
somehow, whereas some other people are like, oh, really? Like I can actually change like my identity and I can like transform myself and have a different mindset. I can attract different things. I can actually, you know, land, like I can build an, a great business and, and, or I can have the ideal relationship and stop attracting these things I don't like. That's possible. And they actually get serious on it. Just curious, out of maybe your experience, what's the difference between the person who just accepts everything and says, ah, and the other person is like, okay, I'm determined and I'm going to change this. Um, so I was, I, I'm still in network marketing and that was my biggest struggle. It was like, people would come to me and be like, I want to change my life. I want this. I want this. But then their actions wouldn't, wouldn't match. Right. And I sometimes have the same, like, I want this, I want this. And then I would notice, like, I would sabotage myself or I'd notice that like things would fall apart. And I was like, what is happening? Also in my relationships, there was always a pattern. And so I, I wanted to dig into the mind. So I know I've done a lot of research on the mind. And so, which also has to deal with healing. So 95% is our subconscious mind and 5%. So you can tell me all you want to be a millionaire, 5%. But if your limiting beliefs that have been locked in there since you were a child is that you're not worthy, you can't make any money, and that money doesn't grow on trees, you're going to do anything to keep your reality the same until you heal those limiting beliefs and get them out of there you won't be able to grow you will get to a certain point and then you will your negative self-talk will come in and you will destroy what you built so like tony robbins even talks about it like we all have a thermostat where our comfort zone is and the same with money, success, whatever. And once we go, we can go a little bit above, but once we go a little bit above, and if we don't work on our subconscious mind, we will eventually bring ourselves back down. Or if we go a little under, we'll push ourselves to get back up to our comfort zone and stay there. Unless we do the inner, like I believe the inner healing work because we are all programmed. We're all programmed from a very young age on on um, what it is we can have in life. I also did a lot of traveling in my 20s and I was taken out of like, so I got out of my environment and that's when I started to really question things because I grew up a certain way and people told me life was a certain way. But when I went and traveled and lived a year and nine months in the States, I noticed that it wasn't like that for everybody. And it like, I was like, what I was told growing up is like, maybe they just because they never lived anywhere else they just don't know what else is out there and then just read then I got like I love I never liked reading I didn't start reading books until I was 27 but it's because I wasn't reading anything I liked and Tony Robbins he just like he spoke my language and then I list Louise Hayes I love all her stuff she talked about how we can heal our body and I love um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. So it was just like this love of feeling like I don't have to live this, this life that I thought I was like, like I thought I was nothing. I thought that I was this troubled teenager that was never going to have anything that was never going to amount to anything. And that was a story that kept replaying over and over in my head is that nobody would ever believe me that I wasn't trustworthy. And so that was my story for the longest time. And when I realize that because I can just your your thoughts are just 
your beliefs are just thoughts replayed over and over and over in your head. So if you don't like those beliefs, you can change them. And it wasn't until I was 27 that I learned that you have total control over your thinking and your thoughts. And, but if you were never trained or never taught how to do that, it can be very frustrating. And people get upset when I say that because they're like, you don't know what it's like. And I'm like, yeah, I do know what it's like. I didn't learn it until I was 27 that you have total control. It takes as much effort to have a positive thought that it does a negative. We could worry about something or we can just like, you're worrying about something that hasn't even happened, which is destroying the now moment. And that's where a lot of people are stuck is they live in fear. Now I can attest to that. I'm sure we all can, right? Fear is a one very dominant, you know, dominant emotion that people just don't know how to deal with focused on, you know, the past dragging that along with them and, you know, kind of projecting that on the future and never really live, living in the moment. And it's, and it's very tough. It's very challenging. You know, I, I'm sure you've chal been challenged with it. Like you look at other people and you have this, you know, idea of success and you, you maybe feel like you're not working hard enough. You're comparing yourself to other people and, it's, it's, it's a very, it's very challenging. And, you know, I, I've learned like fear is, fear is actually a useful tool, isn't it? It's just, I don't think people are aware of what it's trying to teach us. I believe this is just my belief and it has helped me to like eliminate fear is that we all have a purpose to be here. And we have, when you're aligned with your purpose, you will know it you will truly know it because you're going to have so much energy. You're going to be enlightened. It's the work you do is not going to feel like work. Like, you know, when you're aligned and I'm so in tune with like source energy, God, whatever you want to call it, the universe. And I am in, into spirit guides and angels. And so like when I'm aligned, I know I'm aligned in my path. Like I get angel numbers, feathers. I get signs from the universe all the time. And so I know when I'm aligned and I know when I'm not aligned and on the right path. And since I've been on the right path, I don't fear, like fear might creep in and then I get rid of it because I believe that I was put on earth for a specific reason. And it's what I'm doing right now. I had to go through all that crap in order to design a program that I have now. If I didn't go through that, I wouldn't have the program I have today. And I also believe that when my time comes, it's a time and day that was already generated. So like, I know people fear flying airplanes or flying or like doing certain things. And I think like, if that's my time to go, it's my time to go. If I was meant to die on an airplane, that's the way I would go. If I'm not meant to die before this day, I will be protected. And there's been certain situations where I've been in car accidents or I've had different situations where I don't understand how I'm still here today. And I'm just like, I believe I was protected because there was a mission, my purpose, and I hadn't fulfilled it yet. That's what I hundred percent believe in too, is, is that whole idea. Like I, you know, I can look back on my life and see like, there's so many close calls that could have killed me, but I was saved. I just knew it there. I'm not done. Like there's a mission still yet for me to fulfill 
And, 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 you know, that's the way I look at death is like, I think people's greatest fear is fear is, I think it all just comes down fear of death. Like, I think, I don't know, but when you get past that and understand, like, there's no, um, that death could just be an afterlife, you know, whatever makes you feel better about it. But like, objectively is like, if you're always trying to run from fear, you know, it doesn't really let you move forward, but it's also there, I think, to protect us too. I mean, like, if you go back to it's so it's still a part of us right in our ancestral age like it it it's what gave us you know kept us alive oh like from, the ego like, yeah so it's that that part that part of us the ego like that's we're just dealing with more of societal stuff nowadays right like all of our yeah. basic needs for the most part are met you know like we're not we don't have to run from vicious animals and stuff like that to keep us but safe. the thing is people are, a lot of people are in the fight or flight as if they're running from a tiger or a lion there. And that is chemically not good for your brain is because a lot of people, even though you're not running from a tiger or a lion, your brain is producing chemicals like it is because of how chaotic our, our world is right now. It's interesting. I learned that makes sense. Like I learned about the, um, it sends stress signals to the body. So you, like you say, the fight or flight, but it's, it actually comes in handy. Like we're meant to have this acute stress, like for example, hard exercise, you, it, it, it induces that. But the problem is this prolonged constant feeling right. that's overriding the nervous system because we were actually not designed. The body was never designed for that. And I, that's where we experience those you know those issues whether they be physically mentally and emotionally that create that kind of chaos if that makes sense right. yeah 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 for sure yeah so like so another thing i work with my clients is manifestation and how that everything in your life right now everything that you can see everything that you witness in your life is a direct reflection of what's going on in your thoughts your outer world is just images that were produced in the mind first. So today's world that you're living in is past thoughts and past reality, like past thinking. And so if you, and it's not to be guilty or shame yourself for anything, but it's to look at it, to observe and be like, do I like this or do I want something different? And then to change your thinking in order to create the life that you want. The problem is, is if you don't think you are worthy and deserving, you're going to go with the negative self-talk and the negative thinking that, oh, life sucks. Life is like this. And so the universe will match that vibration because it doesn't discriminate. And it's like, okay. And it doesn't pick through your thoughts. So whatever you're thinking, the universe will provide for you. So if you're a low vibrational match, it sends you that low vibrational stuff. makes a lot of sense and that's a lot of that was a lot of education right there to be honest and i think you know a lot there's a lot of people um who are listening or will will hear this um would definitely be interested in in your work so 
where could people find you if they want to know, like, how can I work with Holly? How can she help me? You know, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me mostly on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, just my Instagram handle is at Finucan Holly. And then there is two of us Holly Finucans on Facebook. Um, but it's just uh, Holly Finucan on Facebook. And it would say that I'm a trauma healing coach um, on there. I am designing a website, but it might not be up for a little, a couple more weeks. Okay, perfect. So Holly Finucan, uh, she's easy to find on Facebook and Instagram. You got that. So perfect. And any last, um, any last words, uh, maybe a message to others that they can uh, take away with them? Uh, the one thing that I love to tell my clients, and I heard it when I was doing a coaching program was if you're wondering if it can be like you want something in your life, um, because a lot of us have this negative talk that, oh, it can't happen for me, is I want you to ask yourself, is it true for everyone else? So if you have a negative belief that money is hard to make or that life is hard, is life hard for everybody else? Like, is it hard for everybody? Well, no, you see lots of people out there making money and living their dream life. So you have to, in order to convince your subconscious mind that let, like you need to show it proof. So then you need to ask yourself, is it true for everybody? Because if it is not true for everyone, then that means you have the opportunity to gain it. So is money hard to make for everybody? Well, no, it's not. There's lots of people that work 20 hours a week and make tons of money, you know? So if you're, cause your subconscious mind and you have to give it evidence to prove to it that you can have what you're obtaining. And so it's just a good question to ask. Well, is it true? Cause beliefs are only true to you, right? Your belief is just because it's thought played over and over. And that's what you believe. If it's a belief that is not serving you, you can totally change that belief, but you have to give your subconscious mind evidence. That's, that's awesome. It, it's so, it's so true. I like that. It's like, give it proof. I mean, just look at it out in the world and, you know, like the more environment is a powerful one too, especially if you get the certain people that are testifying that it is proof and yeah, that, there you have it. There's proof for your subconscious mind. But, and just uh, one last thing is like your past doesn't determine who you are and who you're going to be. Your past has, a, it's just a learning tool. It doesn't dictate who you're going to be. I love that. So your past doesn't define you. It only refines you if you choose so to look at it that way and do something with it. All right. Uh, I like this, Holly. This was very great. Um, and thank I know, you for having me. Yes. Thank you, Holly, for taking the time and sharing your story and your services and your message. It's been powerful stuff. All right. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. And look at your story. What kind of state are you living in? And really challenge it. Are you living in your story or your potential? 
This is Brendan from Limitless Level, and we'll see you on the next episode.